welcome to the Primary Ride Home for Wednesday, June 12th, 2019. I'm your host, Chris Higgins. Today, a new poll shows Democrats beating Trump in hypothetical elections. The Young Turks propose a progressive pledge. Biden joins the call for a climate-focused debate. An examination of the candidates' walk-up songs. And Castro releases a plan to eliminate lead poisoning nationwide. Here's what you missed today from the campaign trail. In a Quinnipiac poll released yesterday, the headline news was about head-to-head matchups between various Democratic primary candidates and President Trump. Pollsters asked respondents a bunch of direct questions about which candidate they would vote for in an election if it were held today. So here's an example of the specific language used in the question they asked. Quote, If the election for president were being held today, and the candidates were Joe Biden, the Democrat, and Donald Trump, the Republican, for whom would you vote? End quote. And that one, which was also the first one they asked, showed Biden beating Trump with 53% of the overall vote to Trump's 40%. Let me just pause for a moment and repeat that. Biden is 13 percentage points ahead of Trump today, nationally, winning 53 to 40. That is a really healthy margin. Okay, moving on. Quinnipiac also broke down the numbers by party, gender, education, age, ethnicity, and how much attention a given voter had been giving the election so far. One number that really jumped out at me is that 6% of self-identified Republicans said they would vote for Biden instead of Trump. That is the best showing in that category for any Democratic candidate in this poll. Now, another notable thing about this result is the history behind this particular matchup. Although this is the first time Quinnipiac has run the question this year, they also ran it back in 2015. And back then, Biden beat Trump 51 to 40. So four years later, Biden has actually picked up a couple of points and Trump remains steady at his previous score. And now let's run through the other big numbers in these head-to-head matchups. Sanders beats Trump 51 to 42. Harris beats Trump 49 to 41. Warren also beats Trump 49 to 41. Buttigieg beats Trump 47 to 42. And Booker also beats Trump 47 to 42. Now, those last two, Buttigieg and Booker, are actually really close given that the poll has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.5 percentage points. Those results showed a gap of roughly five percentage points between the Democratic candidate and Trump. So it's still a win for both of those guys, but potentially a very, very narrow one. If you compare that to the Biden and Sanders numbers, where the difference was 13% and 9% respectively, it's playing near the margin rather than being a blowout. It is also worth pointing out that no Democrat lost to Trump in this poll. So that is pretty cool, but then again, they only asked about the list I just read a moment ago. They didn't ask about all 24 candidates. Now, as always, I want to remind you not to get too excited about early polling. There are still 510 days until the general election, and you had better believe a lot will happen in that time. On Saturday, Cenk Uygur of the Young Turks unveiled what he calls the Progressive Pledge, 
Now, if you're unfamiliar with The Young Turks, it's an online media network focusing mainly on video shows about left-leaning politics. The Progressive Pledge is a five-point policy platform that includes some pretty common positions in the primary field today. Now, I'm going to read the entirety of the pledge here. Quote, Higher wages. I pledge to fight for a $15 minimum wage and collective bargaining and to work on behalf of the American worker instead of corporate donors. Medicare for all. I pledge to fight for a single-payer Medicare for all healthcare system that transforms healthcare in this country into a right, not a privilege. Green New Deal. I pledge to fight for a 10-year plan to mobilize every aspect of American society to achieve net-zero greenhouse gas emissions and create millions of new high-wage jobs building the infrastructure and industries of the new economy. College for All. I pledge to fight for free college for all so that everyone can get to live the American dream, not just the wealthy elite. End the Corruption. I pledge to fight for a constitutional amendment to ban the private financing of elections and to use all available paths to that amendment so we can once again have free and fair elections. End quote. Now, the tricky part about this pledge is that many candidates agree in principle with lots of those ideas, but disagree on implementation. For instance, in an interview with Andrew Yang in Iowa, Yang disagreed with the $15 minimum wage plank since he favors a universal basic income instead. It's a similar goal, just a different policy mechanism to get it done. So Yang is not going to sign this pledge because the pledge is very explicit about that wage number as policy. Similarly, other candidates don't support Medicare for all, but they do support a public option added to Obamacare. And another plank, the college for all item, is kind of ambiguous. Like, are we talking about a two-year AA degree or a four-year bachelor degree? Are we talking about state schools? What about private schools? What about the trades? And by the way, how do we pay for any of this? Well, none of that is listed in the language of the pledge itself. The same is true for the Green New Deal plank, which suggests signing on to a 10-year plan to achieve net zero emissions. But the pledge doesn't say which plan or how to get it done. There are no links on the pledge page. So for any candidate to sign this thing, they have to be on board with a handful of very specific policies, but also several non-specific policies where the details are just not listed and presumably left up to the candidate to figure out on their own. Listen to this clip in which Uger interviews John Delaney about the pledge, then briefly reflects on that interview in his web show. Uger speaks first. Listen in. So there's five pillars, higher wages, uh, $15 minimum wage, I'm for that. collective bargaining, I'm for that. And, uh, and representing the American worker and not taking corporate PAC money. And, and I'm not taking corporate PAC money, okay, so great. we're good on all those. Green New Deal, uh, and, and just two points to that. Not everything else, just getting off of fossil fuels in 10 years and rebuilding the energy infrastructure in the country and trying to create millions of jobs. I, I, I'm forgetting to net zero by 2050. Mm -hmm. And I have a plan to do that, and I think it's the best plan. Uh, and so I'm fully committed to getting the United States of America by net, net zero by 2050, and also effectively building a whole new industry in the United States of America that can not only save us, but save the world. 
Okay. And Medicare for all? I am for universal health care, as you and I talked about, where every single American gets basic health care as a right for free. But I'm also for giving them options, and that's where you and I respectfully disagree. Right. So that's super clear. So you won't be signing the pledge because you don't agree to a yeah. couple of the planks, but I really appreciate sure. you outlining your positions on all those issues. Really you know, appreciate, I appreciate it. how clearly you ask the questions. It makes it easy for people like us to answer them. See, not so hard, right? I mean, we're going to go to Andrew Yang in a second, but I think John Delaney, it's fair to call him an establishment Democrat. And I'm not sure that he would argue much with that label, but he gave clear answers. And that's lovely. That's what you want. And we did a longer version of that in the studio, did a shorter version right there. And so now you know what John Delaney's positions are. And by the way, some of you might like those positions. You might think, hey, I don't think we can get there in 10 years to get off of fossil fuels. I think maybe by 2050 we could do it. And other others might say, hey, I don't like, that sounds like a middle ground approach, and I'm not in favor of that. At least it's clear. Even though this pledge came out just a few days ago, three candidates have already signed on. The first was Marianne Williamson, then Bernie Sanders, and then Mike Gravel. In videos posted online, Uger says he has sent the pledge to other campaigns and is waiting to hear back from them. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And while we're on the topic of people pledging to do a thing, here is a quick follow-up. Over the past few weeks, I've reported on various efforts by the primary candidates to get a single debate focused on the issue of climate change. Well, yesterday, Joe Biden became the 15th candidate to endorse that idea. In a story from the Washington Post by David Weigel, we got this classic paragraph. Quote, that's what we should be doing, the former vice president told a Greenpeace activist on a rope line. I'm all in, man. Take a look at what I'm talking about. And by the way, the first climate change plan in the history of the Congress, Biden. End quote. Now that is swagger. There is no other news yet on this front. The DNC continues to stand by its stance that it will not hold single-issue debates in general, much less on the issue of climate change, but it is certainly notable that the highest polling candidate is now officially on board with the idea. In the Washington Post yesterday, James Homan went deep on the candidate's so-called walk-up songs. These are those songs candidates choose to have played while they walk on stage, and they were on full display on Sunday when we had 19 candidates in one place. That gave us a great chance to see which songs each candidate chose. 
If you have any interest in music, I really think you should read this article. There is a link in the show notes, of course, to get a deeper look and listen into this. But I do want to highlight a few of the walk-up songs that stuck out to me. Okay, first off, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand chose the song Good As Hell by Lizzo. So look, here's a pro tip from me. If you ever have the chance to see Lizzo perform live, you do that. You do what you need to do to get yourself to a Lizzo show, because it will make you a better person. It happened to me, and that's why I'm telling you. All right, let me read from the piece a quote from Gillibrand's spokeswoman, Meredith Kelly. Quote, Lizzo is a badass who time and again models female empowerment and the beauty in being yourself. We love her music and message of acceptance, and nobody is better at pumping you up before a big speech. End quote. And next up, Beto O'Rourke chose the song Clamp Down by The Clash. This was their second single off the album London Calling from 1979. In other words, a moderately deep cut from a very well-known punk record from 40 years ago. And oddly enough, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio also picked a track off the same record, but he's using the song Rudy Can't Fail. While a person's taste in music has literally nothing to do with their policy positions, I do think it's kind of funny that there is disproportionate representation for one aging punk record in this field. And a few more tracks that seemed very on-brand to me. Senator Elizabeth Warren chose Dolly Parton's classic song 9 to 5, Senator Kamala Harris chose Work That by Mary J. Blige, and Mayor Pete Buttigieg chose High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. So check out the link in the show notes because the article does a good job explaining what these songs are. That is really handy if you're not familiar with a certain genre of music, and also the article explains why the candidates chose them. There's some historical context too, including a mention of Clinton's use of Fleetwood Mac's song Don't Stop way back in 92, which actually managed to get the band back together for a while. And last up today, over the weekend, Julian Castro went to Flint, Michigan, rather than attending that giant Iowa event like most other candidates. By the way, that makes him the first candidate to visit Flint during this campaign cycle. While there, he toured farmer's markets, churches, and spoke to locals about their seemingly endless issues with unsafe drinking water, which is currently still tainted with lead. And then on Monday, he proposed a plan to deal with lead in American homes and water supplies. This makes Castro the first candidate in this field to tackle that particular issue with a policy proposal. And that plan is both comprehensive and easy to understand. First, Castro says he would, quote, convene a presidential task force on lead in communities, charged with eliminating lead poisoning as a major public health threat and coordinating the interagency response in partnership with state and local governments, end quote. At the same time, he would ask Congress to appropriate $5 billion a year for 10 years in order to deal with lead remediation. That's in things like paint and soil and lead pipes in communities that are most affected. Obviously, Flint would be on that list, but Castro also calls for a national assessment of the threat level in various communities, so at least we would all know what we're dealing with. Castro also calls for a home lead safety tax credit, which he doesn't offer a bunch of details on, but apparently that would provide tax breaks for people looking to do remediation work in their own homes. 
Along the same lines, he calls for stricter laws around the sales of homes built before 1978 so that new owners actually have data on whether the home contains substantial amounts of lead paint or lead piping or even lead contamination in the soil around the home, which is, by the way, a genuine concern if you have kids playing in your yard or if you are growing food in lead-tainted soil. And beyond all that, Castro calls for a variety of specific proposals on testing children's lead levels and providing health care and interventions to help kids who have dangerous levels. Okay, so this is policy, and as always, I ask, what would it cost and how would Castro pay for it? Well, it is unclear what the total cost is, though like I said, he does mention having Congress appropriate $5 billion a year for 10 years. We're looking at least $50 billion there. Later in the policy, a different point mentions $100 million a year on an ongoing basis to help kids. He doesn't total up the numbers or give costs for each proposal he makes, but I assume those two are the biggest costs involved. Now, on the paying for it side, Castro suggests changing how federal disaster funding is used. For instance, he says the Flint water crisis should qualify as a disaster, and thus that the existing federal budget for natural disasters should be made available to deal with human-made disasters. He also talks about public-private partnerships to drive innovation, but again does not offer details on what that might cost or bring in. So, I would like to see some more math here, but to be totally frank, I would love to see fewer children with lead poisoning. This one really does matter. Well, that is it for one more episode of The Primary Ride Home. I have been your host, Chris Higgins. You can always find me on Twitter, at Chris Higgins. So today is predicted to be the hottest day of the year yet in Portland, Oregon, where I live. It should crack 100 degrees on the porch, which is where my outdoor thermometer lives. So I have a plan, and that plan is go to the movies. It's always roll cold to the movies. Like, it's always cold when you don't want it to be cold. So I figure, even if the movie itself is garbage, you can bet that the AC is going to be cranking. So as you listen to this, know that right now I am very, very cold and super happy about that. All right, as always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to y'all tomorrow. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.